while you're walking back to your seat, let me remind you, ladies, tomorrow night is prayer meeting, 7 p.m. Also, ladies will be serving after service tonight. I believe we're going to have breakfast for supper. So please come join us and support our ladies. This Saturday, as you remain standing this Saturday, our children will have a bonfire at the Kidron building at 6.30. Is that right? Six at six. Also, next Sunday, we're going to have a supper for pastor appreciation. We just want you to come next door. I picked out the menu. It's going to be good. I read something one time that said, never trust a skinny cook. Well, I'm not a cook, but I'm not skinny. It's going to, there's going to be macaroni. That's it. All we're eating is macaroni, so just come visit with us. Amen. I won't be long, but I do have a word from the Lord that he dropped in my spirit this afternoon that I want to share with you as we turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 13. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. It's going to be just a little bit lengthier reading, but I want to uh, established the setting for you. Word of the Lord reads in Ezekiel 13, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy. And say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the heads for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. And mine hands shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And they shall know that I am the Lord God. Because even because they have seduced my people, saying peace and there was no peace. And one built up a wall and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them which daubed it with untempered mortar that it shall fall, neither shall be, neither or there shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherein wherewith ye have daubed it? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. 
So will I break down the wall that ye have daubed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered. And it shall fall and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar and will say unto you, the wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. Now I know tonight that I bring rather a sobering text, but if I've ever heard from the Lord, I stand to you tonight with a word. I don't have notes, but I have a word from the Lord. And I want to preach on these two words the Lord spoke to me this afternoon. As I wept in his presence, and my subject tonight is untempered mortar. Untempered mortar. Would you lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to help tonight. Father, without your strength and your anointing, I pray, God, that you would move in this place because we are nothing without it. We can do nothing without the touch of the Lord. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church and give us hearts tonight to respond to this word. In Jesus' name, can we clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'm afraid at times we look at prophets through rose-colored glasses and we think that those that walk in the prophetic and those that are a mouthpiece more or less for the Lord are always speaking positive and good things and that it's always uplifting and it's always encouraging and all of that is part of the prophetic. But if you want to get a study of the prophetic and what it's like, you can see the reality of that office when you read the book of Ezekiel, when you read the book of Jeremiah, and you realize that God gives sobering words to stir people and to wake people out of their slumber. And bring them to the realization of where they are at as a people. Thus it was in this particular chapter that the word of the Lord was sent unto Ezekiel. And he said, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy. In other words, there's a group of people that are declaring and decreeing the word of the Lord. But it's not the word of the Lord. And they're building walls and they're erecting structures and frames, so to speak. He's speaking uh, allegorically, if I could. And they're establishing a following and they're establishing a, a, a house and walls. And they're saying that I'm saying this and they're saying that I'm saying that and I'm nowhere in their words and I'm nowhere in what they are decreeing and what they are declaring. And they have established a following of people that are, are have taken the bait, if you will, and they are loving all of this stuff that they're saying, but it is not all of me. And he said they have daubed this structure with untempered mortar. They have established and, and daubed it on the outside. It looks like it's a solid structure. 
On the outside, it looks like it will withstand the storm. On the outside, if you look at what they're building and then you compare it to the true building or structure of the house of Israel, of of what I represent, on the surface, it looks the same. On the outside, no man can really tell. But he said, there's going to come a day and you prophesy to these people that I am going to release my fury. And the winds are going to blow like they've never blown before. And everything that the Bible says that can be shaken will be shaken. And he said when that day comes, they're going to see that all of this mortar is going to begin to crack. And everything that looks this way on the outside is going to begin to crumble. And when it begins to crumble, it's going to crumble all the way to the foundation. And they're going to see that the foundation itself was even compromised. And it was just a facade, but it wasn't the real thing. All because the mortar was untempered mortar. It didn't endure the process. It didn't have the right uh, uh, chemical makeup, if you could say it that way. It was untempered mortar. And the Lord began to speak to me this afternoon about untempered mortar. You see, you mortar on the outside. It all looks the same to just the average Joe. But when when the storm begins to shake... And when everything begins to go crazy in life, that's when you find out the strength of the mortar that is holding the structure together. And the Lord began to deal with me about what our mortar needs to be tempered with. Because this is his church. It's not a man's church. It's not my church or your church. This is the Lord's church. And you hear me when I say, let the storms rage. Let all hell be released against the church. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Hey, friend, I'm glad to be a part of something that's not going to go down. I find safety in the house of the Lord. I find strength in the house of God. So if this structure is going to have mortar, it's got to be tempered with some things. I find it my responsibility in the house of the Lord. As the watchman on the wall. The word of the Lord says that if the watchman sees it and doesn't say it, then the blood is on his own hands. But if he sees it and declares it, then he is released of that responsibility and it falls upon the hands of the people. And so I'm telling you tonight, the first thing that our mortar has to be tempered with is it has to be tempered with truth. If you have everything else, but you don't have truth, then it's still untempered mortar. And there is a group of people that Paul prophesied about, and he said the day will come when men will have itching ears gathering unto themselves. Preachers, men of God, just like the prophets that the Lord warned Ezekiel about, Tell us what we want to hear. Make us feel good about ourselves. That's where we're at. 
and you drive by their structure, and it's beautiful on the outside, but it's untempered mortar. Because there's something missing called truth. You know what truth will do? Truth will, truth will keep you saved. Because it'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Honey, when my soul is on the line, don't you mess with my emotions by trying to keep me happy. But you tell me what I need to know to make it to heaven. They're going to try to remove they're going to try to remove the necessity of Jesus name baptism cuz that's going to offend people. And so we have churches that are offering a Baskin Robbins of sorts. You just pick how you want to be baptized and we'll do it however you want to do it. Untempered mortar because when you start compromising the name of Jesus then you're going to compromise the essentiality of the new birth and being baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then it's going to, then you're going to digress and you're going to say, well, the, the Holy Ghost is not essential. It's just a gift for whoever wants it. It's just an extra blessing that the Lord wants to give you. And slowly, people start taking away, taking steps away from truth. And it's called a deception. And the reason people are being deceived is because they never fell in love with truth. Young people, hear me when I tell you, if you get a hold of anything, you better get a hold of truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. When the world tries to pay you a price, you need to declare this ain't for sale. This is the greatest truth that I have ever known. Come on, parents, if you clap on anything, clap on that. I have no greater joy than to know my children walk in truth. I was going through my notes this afternoon. I, I love, I'm sentimental. I was walking down memory lane and I have all of my, I have all of my binders. I, I was one of those, I was one of those nerds, brother. Brother Glenn, I, we didn't have cell phones. I brought a binder with note with, with paper, and I would come to church, and I'd just start taking notes. I've forgotten more sermons than I've preached, so I realized i got to start taking notes. And Brother Bowie, I was going through notes from years, probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I, I started doing a study on the oneness of God, and I found page after page after page of the one. How many 17-year-olds are sitting down studying the oneness of God? But you know what? I may not be here today if I didn't fall in love with truth and fall in love with the oneness of God and new birth. Hey, the word says study to show thyself approved unto God, not unto man. And the startling reality is this. If I said pop quiz and passed out papers right now and asked you to write down five verses word for word about what we believe regarding the oneness of God, it would startle you how many people couldn't do five verses. Because it's just part of our religion. But it's missing in our relationship. And so we've got untempered mortar. Because truth has slowly been plucked away. Plucked away from the mortar. 
Let me tell you what else that mortar has to be tempered with. That mortar has to be tempered with convicting preaching. Everybody wants to be happy, but not everybody wants to be saved. We, we don't want to leave church feeling bad. But you know what? True conviction preaching will make you leave feeling better than when you came in. I'm not talking about a preacher preaching mad at you. There's a difference between preaching to people and preaching at people. I've been in preaching where preachers, you just knew they had a bad day. I'm sorry. I don't know what your day went like, but I can tell you're taking it out on me. I used to never figure out why. Look, I, I went, I'm getting sidetracked. I, when, I, when I first started preaching, I'm telling you, one of the first places I ever went was in this little tiny church. It was tiny. It was out, and I'm not going to name it. You wouldn't even know where it was at if I, told, if I named it. And it was a Wednesday night, and I was just so happy to be preaching. And I realized as I started traveling that I got excited about all churches that I preached at. Some of them I got excited going to, and some of them I got excited leaving. I got excited about all of them. There were some of them I told God, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I won't put either of us in this situation again. I'm telling you the truth. And we walked in, and there was probably, I'm going to say 17 or 18 people there. And it was me and the pastor and one other man in the church. And I'm just, I'm so nervous, just happy to preach. And that service rocks on. And some kids get up. There's two or three kids went and did Wednesday night school or whatever they call it. Kids church, whatever. And he gets up there before I preach. And he commenced to rip and hide off those sheep. He wasn't shearing them. He was ripping hide and everything off. I was standing over there going, what in the world is going on? And he said, people say this church is run by women. But it's all women. I was just there that night. It was him and another one. He had a bad day. And he about spent about 15, 20 minutes just lining all the sheep out. But you know what I never understood? The people that he needed to line out weren't there. That's why when people get up and start preaching about, you need to show up to church. You're not going to hear me say that because you're here. You're here. Don't beat the people up that made the trip. Word will spread that they were being talked about. They weren't here. He turned around and looked at me and said, Brother, come up here and see if you can resurrect this thing. That's what he said. God couldn't even resurrect that thing. It was dead. I was never so happy to spin my wheels getting out of a parking lot, and I've never been back to that church since. There's a difference between somebody preaching mad 
and somebody preaching the word of God in a spirit of love and conviction pricks your heart and you leave saying thank you Jesus for loving me enough to show me what I gotta do to be saved and how shall they hear without a preacher Trust me, the hardest message is to preach. I preach to myself before I ever preach to you. Let me tell you, it's also got to be tempered. I'm hurrying. It's got to be tempered with true holiness. True holiness. Holiness inward and outward. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no no man shall see the Lord. Yes, we've got to have it right on the outside. It doesn't need to be so tight that you don't have to leave anything to the imagination, ladies and men. They got some of this stuff that looks like it's painted on. That's not of the Lord. We ought to make sure we represent Christ to the best of our ability outwardly. And we also have to make sure that we follow after holiness inwardly. You you know, I've been teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. It all is a part of the holiness of God. You don't try to be holy because a pastor says, do this, do that. There's these people say, they've left churches and they go, well, we can do this at our new church. We couldn't do this at our old church. Do you know what? God didn't change. Just because you changed churches doesn't mean God changed. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. The motivating factor of holiness is that I can be a reflection of the Spirit of Christ to a lost and a dying world. And if we ever lose our holiness, then our mortar is un. Tempered. Let me tell you what else. As I come quickly to a close, that mortar has to be tempered with eternity. Because we don't want to think of not existing on this earth. And the world wants to remove heaven and hell. Let me check that. Wants to remove hell out of the equation because everybody's going to heaven. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it falls upon me. Everybody's not going to heaven. They're not. Truth be told, not everyone in this room is going to make it to heaven. Do I want you to? Absolutely. But I just think not everyone's going to make it. And when you start living with eternity out of your mind, you start walking in an unrealistic world because eternity is more real than this world that we're in. 
And but, but God existed before time, and he'll exist after time shall be no more. That's called eternity. It was once said, if the world were a steel ball, and one time of year a sparrow came down and brushed its wing on the top of that ball, and did that until the ball disappeared because of the friction, that that would begin the first second of eternity. And you have to stop and consider that eternity is too long and hell is too hot for me to live life absent-minded of what this thing is really all about. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Nobody is. We've all made our own share of mistakes. But I find such comfort in the fact that there was one who denied the Lord three times. Yet the Lord said, I'm going to use you in spite of your blunders, in spite of your mess-ups, in spite of your hang-ups and all of your failures. I'm going to use you to preach this salvation message on the day of Pentecost. Hey, friend, I, I, I'm thankful there was a Peter because God knew there was going to be a Tyler who was hot-headed and who was loud-mouthed. And he needed an example that if Peter can make it, then there's hope for somebody like him. Why don't you stand to your feet right now if you're thankful for the mercy of God and let God know how much you love him. Hey, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Some people want to go to heaven because they're afraid of going to hell. But I want to go to heaven to see Jesus. I'm not in this thing for what I'm trying to avoid. I'm in this thing for what I'm trying to gain. And that's eternity with my Lord and with my Savior. I'm preaching tonight about a mourner that has to be tempered. If this is church is going to withstand this world is starting to shake. Then we've got to have truth in our mortar. We've got to have conviction preaching in our mortar. We've got to have holiness. And we've got to have eternity. And let the winds blow. Let the storms rage. But God's church that's held together with the right things. It's going to stay in the test of time. If you're thankful to be a part of the church, I want you to make your way to this altar.